Welcome, everyone, to Jubilee Street, a music podcast. I am Jake Curtis, joined with Ian McCurtis, Gabalu the intern dog here, Buffy the HR dog, and today on the radio program, because we're going old school, we are talking mm-hmm. about Tim Heidecker's new album, High School. There was a podcast named Jubilee Street, a music podcast hosted by Jake and Ian. I love, no, I love Lady Gaga, but what's next? Lord Goo Goo? What? Tim Heidecker, the comedian? That's what everybody makes music? Yeah, he makes music. Hey, and maybe it's not supposed to be funny, okay? Maybe it's not supposed to be funny. You don't have to laugh every time you see Tim Heidecker. It's not a comedy record, so stop pissing your pants. So it's it's and it's not about piss. He's not going to talk about piss or hot piss. No yellow. This isn't the Yellow River Boys. No Yellow River Boys. Okay. You guys come in here like you're some Lord Goo Goos, and you just want to, you know, do whatever you want, making music, copying off Lady Gaga. You know. I know. And, we have all the Tim and Eric fanboys jumping on for this episode. They want this to be all fun and games. And this is a serious record. For those who listen to Office Hours, which is Tim's comedy-adjacent podcast, we don't really have drops. We have a theme song now that I just made. We're, I'm, we're, we're really proud of it. It took us and two years to get a theme song, so we're not going to have drops anytime soon. Imagine how long it's going to take for us to get anything else. We just got an HR person. If you guys would send us money, we might be able to do more things. But you don't. You don't even send us emails very often. Sorry, we don't have a fancy Patreon. And we're still here doing podcasts for you to listen to. Ooh. So yeah, Tim, if you want us to take over for your character, I think we I think we can do a pretty good job. What's that thing you were doing on the end there? What? That little that little voice you did. What is that? Oh, it's called um inflection. Inflection. You did it again. You must it must be like natural for you. Yeah, I've been taking some classes. Ian, uh, I want to start this episode by asking you, um, what was it like for you in high school? What was it like for me? I'm repeating the question as a means to buy time to think about the question. Kind of like when I, think I read it, lyrics. <laughs> I think it was probably similar to, to Tim's experience on this album. Like A lot of time alone in my room listening to music. A lot of time, uh, just goofing off in Fern Creek with my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of time, I mean, me, me and my dad always had a great relationship, but a lot of time just avoiding my mom and stepdad. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I related to a lot of this. So what about you? I imagine same for you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, um, you know, Sirens of Titan in particular, Punch in the Gut, Buddy, all those songs, like, the whole record, really, like, they kind of evoke a similar feeling, like, Kern River could just be called Fern Creek for us, or, you know... Um, Stony Brook River. St- Stony Brook River, you know, which is just the... It's not even really a river, it's just, like, a sewage. It's just the know, sewage line. outside the movie theater. Yeah, sewage outside the movie theater that you play in when it's hot outside. It's, you don't Off have a Six pool. Mile Road. Six Mile Lane. Six Mile Lane. God, I'm such a... I moved to Indiana for six months and forget everything. It's all 
you know, Indiana Drive and Indianapolis Lane with you. Who's your Parkway? Who's your Parkway? You know, you you burned all your Louisville gear, and we don't even you don't even look the same. You don't even look the same. It it was just uh, I, I I guess I don't know. If, I don't want to pigeonhole this because I feel like there's a real thing with Tim's music where people don't want to, they don't know how to receive it because he's so inundated in in the comedy scene that with how candid this music is, it, it was like even myself when fear of death came out in 2020, I wasn't, it wasn't like on the top of my radar. And then I started watching his podcast and then I checked out the music and I was more receptive to it because I liked him more, you know, and yeah, I guess if you're just a regular listener who doesn't know who Tim Heidecker is, he, he had a sketch show, uh, multiple sketch shows on Adult Swim called Tim and Eric fill in the mm-hmm. blank. And he did this form of comedy that was whatever the opposite of personal is, you know, it was a lot of like <laughs> poop jokes. It was a lot of just like pushing <laughs> buttons, like kind of, you know, if you know, Eric Andre, like, you know, he kind of follows in the school of Tim and Eric Our our age, like me and Jake's age, like we are the, the, the prime Tim and Eric fan base. Like, you know, when I first was on Tumblr in like 2009, it was nothing but Tim and Eric memes. It was just like, yeah, we're the perfect age to be into this guy. And uh, I would say about five years ago or so, he started making quote-unquote serious music, and it's the music has gotten less and less comedy-based. And now this album has little to no comedy at all. And because of his style of comedy, this isn't like, you know, Michael Shea made music. It wouldn't be that weird because Michael Shea can get personal in a stand-up. Tim Heidecker doesn't tell personal stories like this threw a lot of people off yeah so just just trying to add a little bit of context there continue no uh, that's that's a great um addition or whatever to what i was saying segue um thank you tim so i don't thank you ian um i i don't i I, what i was saying is i don't want to pigeonhole him and i don't want to say that this is like a this kind of record or that kind of record um but this is a much like Fear of Death. I think this is a feel-good record. With um, if if you know anything about Randy Newman, mm. I think this is incredibly influenced by Randy Newman. Sail Away. I would recommend checking out. Now, when you hear Randy Newman, most people are going to think Toy Story. Um, you got a friend of me is a banger, so we're not going to have to linger on that. It's a great song. It's been around for years. Every time I hear it, I cry. Um, Randy Newman's an incredible musician. And he also has a similar way of kind of adding a tongue-in-cheek quality, a political edge in a similar manner that Tim has. I think that's a great comparison. Randy Newman, Paul Simon... Tom Absolutely. Petty, uh, Bob Dylan, in a way. Yeah, well, I'm not like for Dylan, me, but 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 I get it. Uh, maybe even Billy Joel, just just that kind of music that like 
it's just likable. You just put on and it's just nice to listen to. You could throw it on for your family, they'll like it. It's just like it's a very likable record, you know? It's it's classic. This is definitely it almost feels fresh because it always feels like whatever's going on in indie rock, everyone's listening to the same five bands and pulling yeah. influence from them. This doesn't sound like what anyone else is doing. This is indebted to classic rock. Uh, and it's just it's just nice. Like It's just hard to dislike this record. Yeah, I, I really challenge anyone to listen to this and not find a song that sticks out or sticks with you. I mean... Yeah, I mean, we, we cover a lot of like... I feel like we cover a lot of weird music. This is like very, this is the most accessible thing we'll probably ever cover. Like anyone yeah. will like this. And I want to make sure that accessible doesn't come off to anyone as like, you know, not compelling, not interesting. Like these songs are all very charming. They are, there's sort of a wink and a nod with some of the lyrics going on. Um, it's just about him growing up in Philadelphia, you know, being a kid going through all those trials and tribulations, playing music, being in bands. Like, um, it's funny, Ian, I, I, I didn't even really, it didn't even occur to me, but that's basically what I did in high school. I wasn't, you know, going out and, you know, getting my fuck on, but I was, you know, sort of starting to start bands in my like junior and senior year and like playing music and going to record stores and, you know, kind of smoking weed and, you know, kind of hanging out with girls, but not really. Um, and just sort of falling in love with music. And, you know, for all the like Coheed and Cambrias and Fall of Troys that I was listening to back then, I was also listening to like, you know, Against Me and maybe even a Bob Dylan record, King Crimson, like, you know, stuff that was a little bit I guess in the scheme of things, like a little bit like more classic considered maybe to in more high regard than those other bands or maybe not as niche. Um, and this record isn't, it's, it's, it's easy to listen to, but it's layered. The production's really good on this album. I would even go so far that some of the songs are pretty minimalist. Um, and it's kind of neat. He has built this really cool, like, Street cred, which I cringe at saying just now, but he has this cool, like, he's got some credentials now, and he has he's pulled some really interesting people to work on this record. Um, Kurt Vile's on this. Mac DeMarco, you can definitely hear on this. Um, and then, I guess, some one of the members of Foxygen produced this record. So, you know, people... I think it probably helped that he did his last record with Wiseblood, um, which I'd recommend you all... Fi- listen to because I think that record is I don't know if it's as good as this one but it's it's really easy to get into and so fun live I got to see him play the, that album live in its entirety in um, Riverside California at Desert Days in, Jake are you, are you are you like clinking some spoons around you got something metal in your hands oh oh no sorry uh, I've got I've got my water bottle nearby and there's a straw a glass straw in there sorry to the listeners who heard that um, oh, it, it was just in the last, just, uh, yeah, just move it back a little bit. It just sorry, sorry to interrupt you. It's okay. It's fine. I, I don't want to interrupt. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't want to go on too long. Sorry. So I, I'll just rein it back in. And I think that this record's really good. And I think he kind of taps into what he was doing on fear of death and he does it even better here. And 
I think it rewards subsequent listens and repeated listens. Um, what about you? What are your takes? The production comment is a good one because, uh, again, I feel like a lot of rock records end up sounding the same. Like when you when you look back, like okay, the late two thousand ten sound like this, the mid two thousand sound like this. This doesn't sound like of this time. Like I feel like if I if I drove over to my mom's house and told her I found this record from like nineteen seventy nine, she'd have no tro- she'd have no pro- problem believing it was from that era. You know, it sounds. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like of a different time. And, you know, I I was trying to think about how to talk about these songs because, like, I don't think all the songs are great. I think some of them are great. But they all just make me feel great. They all just are, like, fun to listen to and, like, make me feel good. And that's, like, important. That's not something I feel all the time with music, especially... A lot of things I'm, I feel like I've heard it before. This, even though it has this classic rock feel, it feels so fresh to me. I was trying to think of something to compare it to, because th- this record is so like, it goes so into minutia that you could either think these songs are ridiculously stupid, or profound. There's that song about uh, Tim is like in high school, obviously, and he sees. Maybe like the Neil Young unplugged, uh, him playing Harvest Moon live, mm-hmm. and the whole song is about how he thinks that song's so cool, and he learns it and plays it for his parents, and then he buys the record, and he doesn't like the recorded version as much, and that's I feel that that's what the whole song's about. It's like a four or five minute song. It's a long song. That sounds like such a trivial thing to write a song about. But it's great. Like it, it transcends. You're thinking that, of stupid like, kid. That's the name of the yeah, song. Yeah, stupid kid. It transcends that like subject matter and turns into something emotional. It's it's really great songwriting. And I was gonna text you today, Jake, because I wanted to do a bit where we like rattled off other celebrities who made a career turn like this. Because Tim's almost fifty, mm-hmm. and he made this pivot into music and is so good at it. It's Mm-hmm. Remarkable. And then as I was thinking about like doing this bit, I can't think of anyone who has done something like this. This big of a 180 and been this good at it. The only person that comes to mind is Donald Glover. But he's not in the same age bracket as Tim, so I don't know if that would qualify. And then you got people like, well... No, I was going to say Bruce Stern, but Bruce Stern's pretty consistently been a good and popular actor. I feel like he just had this resurgence when he got older by being in like Tarantino movies and stuff. Um, there's celebrities that like start bands like, you know, Keanu Reeves started a band mm-hmm, or maybe mm-hmm. he like rekindled a high school band. There, there's mm-hmm. different actors who like will take a turn into music, but like I've never heard anyone do it this good. Like even if I didn't know who Tim Heidecker was, if I wasn't a fan... Uh-huh. Of this comedy, I would yeah. be a fan of this record. It stands on its own. Absolutely. You know what's interesting is when I listen to Tim's music, other than Randy Newman, I don't really hear it. I don't really think that it sounds like anything else. I hear so much Tom Petty in it, Grateful mm-hmm. Dead, the band. Which is funny because he does not like the Grateful Dead very much. But that's the era of music he loves. Yeah, yeah. McCartney's solo stuff. 
I mean, on the podcast, he he has lots of like modern musicians on the show, but he even admits that he doesn't listen to as much new music. You know, he's a big Beatles fan, like you said, Paul Simon, um, Bob Dylan. He likes all that shit. Joni Mitchell, he loves Joni Mitchell, which you can you can definitely hear some Joni Mitchell on there. Um, yeah, and like, I think that's kind of why it feels original because he doesn't. He doesn't wear his influences. No, I don't know if I want to say that. He wears his influences on his sleeve enough that you know what he's going for, but it's completely unique to him. And so it doesn't feel like exactly. he is trying too hard. He's he's just like, this is what I love, and I'm going to make something that is similar to what I love. But because his, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? He's so precise with his like songwriting that it feels effortless. Like it feels it, that's what that's where like the freshness of it comes from because it it just kind of feels like he was meant to do this. And it's so weird that Spaghetti is making music like this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I think I think about like, that all the time. Whatever your influences might be, like let's say. Jake's favorite band is Fleetwood Mac, and he wants to make an album like Fleetwood Mac. That's fine, but write your own songs. Don't write, don't try to write a song that you think Fleetwood Mac would write. Yeah. Write your own song, and if it sounds like Fleetwood Mac, that's mm-hmm. fine, because that's your influence. And I think that's what Tim's really good at. He, his influences are all apparent, but he's writing his own music. Like It feels like him. It doesn't feel like Paul Simon or whatever. And it, it just has such a human quality to it. Like, uh, to go back to what you were talking about with Stupid Kid, like, the refrain on that is, is the line, oh, it looks so easy that even a stupid kid like me could do it. That's like every, every kid that learns how to play guitar or, like, bass guitar, like, when you were in uh, Destination Unknown, like, you were probably just like, I love Bad Religion and Alkaline Trio and AFI. I can do this. I'm just going to try it. Fuck it, you know? What, what I don't think can be said enough is you, you said this feels so human. We're talking about the guy from Tim and Eric. Who would have ever thought when we were living on First Street watching like Tim and Eric skits on YouTube that mm-hmm. this guy would make a record and we would be like, oh, this feels so human. Yeah. It, it's it, mind-blowing. It, it does. It I feels never, like... I never it, knew... No one knew he had this side to him. It also... It's to his benefit that Tim... Like, if you want to get, even even his interviews, like, he has a really good interview on the H3H3 podcast, um, and he's so candid. The only funny thing he does is he does his Alex Jones impression, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just talking about, like, comedy, and, like, I feel like he can be very candid, but there is this thing I think he has probably owned like either from his childhood or from working in Hollywood where he, he does not like, there are things about his life that we'll just never know. And it works to his credit on this record because I I know this is a big word to throw out there, but it feels kind of timeless. Like it feels like when you put it on and I think that the little Timmy Heidecker um, sample that they throw in there from like an old mom, what do you think that is? I, I don't know. It, it's either the his mom like, Go ahead, or sing your song. 
it, I think he has a sister, so it might be his sister. Um, probably his mom, though. It's very uh, charming. It's like the perfect start to the album because it, and, like, and, it feels like a hug. And that's what I mean by timeless is it feels like I found like a tape in like the cassette section at Goodwill. Oh, I and, love that, yeah. And you, you pick it up and it just says high school and it's kind of scribbled on there. And you see like a picture, like a Polaroid picture as the cover. And then you pop it in your cassette player that you also bought from the Goodwill because where do you buy a new cassette player these days? And that's how it feels. Like it's got that kind of grain to it. it it's got like a grit, you know, it feels like kind of westerny you know like he's he he it feels like an la record in a lot of ways which is cool um he manages to really like man like manifest himself into all of these different spaces and you know we talked about before the episode that he sold out all almost his almost his entire tour date or tour dates are sold out and i think that's a testament to how successful he's he has become and how hard he's worked on this music and also somehow being able to still be a, a relevant and engineering comedian. Like he's uh, innovative comedian. Like he's, he's really kind of firing on all cylinders right now. I'm just so impressed and inspired by Tim Heidecker. I, I feel like multiple times on this podcast, we've covered a record and, it's been someone who has been like a established artist for the for a long time, and we're inevitably like, I just wish they would do something different or like find that next gear. And I think about, you know, I know you've been to some music festivals. I I, I feel like I go to more than you, but you know, you go to a music festival and you'll see all these bands, like like legacy kind of acts that have been around for twenty, thirty, forty years, mm-hmm. and they're just playing the hits. They're doing the same thing they did when they first came out. And that's like depressing to me. Like, like y- you make your living being an artist and you never found a way to make something new. And then here's Tim Heidecker, who's like complete between office hours and his music. He has completely hit a new gear and, and, and who he is as a comedian and as an artist. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. What you said. That's what it, I think that's what anyone should strive for is to like find that way to like progress and, and evolve into something new. It's awesome. And his comedy like it's totally different now. It's not nearly as aggressive or challenging maybe. I don't know what the word is, but like it's still just as funny. Yeah, it's uh I guess if I had to, again, I don't like pigeonholing anybody, but it feels like he and Eric kind of pioneered that like meme cringe comedy. Mm -hmm. And now it feels like he's still kind of like leaning into the like sort of like uncomfortable, like he's like fumbling with his microphone for like 10 minutes and you're kind of like, is this part of the show? Is this not part of the show? You know, he's able to like have this character that he can turn on and then turn off and he's just Tim Heidecker again, you know? But, and, and it still feels cool. Like if, if Tim and Eric were here and they're, I don't know how, they'll, how old they are, 45, 48, something like that. If they were still trying to do Tim and Eric from 2009, mm-hmm. it would feel cringy and not in a good way. Yeah. I mean, they, they found a way, both of them have found a way to still be Tim and Eric respectively and still be cool. 
and yeah. still be funny as they age. I don't know if you've noticed, but Eric has commercials on YouTube now for bacon. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's doing, like, bacon commercials. So, you know, we Eric's... Got his, we got his cookbook. Eric's kind of into the, like, you know, cooking and cuisine world, and he's hanging out with, like, Maddie Matheson, and, you know, it feels pretty right that Eric Wareheim is, like, a food personality. Like, that feels pretty on brand for him, especially... Because it kind of came off the heels of him doing Master of None with Aziz Ansari. And, you know, that show is very much like food porn. Like, it's just about like yeah, Aziz's like, this love is what for rich food. people get to eat. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it was very fitting that Eric would be into that. And, you know, it's cool. I, I, I think they're both, you know, have conti- will, will continue to have success. And also... There's this Tim and Eric movie that keeps getting mentioned by Andrew Callahan, who got signed to Absolutely, and he's like editing that movie. He keeps talking about it, but I still I haven't heard a fucking really? thing Courtney about it. Really, loves that guy. I did not know that. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Have you watched All Gas No Breaks? I don't know. I've seen those like Channel Nine YouTube videos or whatever. Channel Five, dude, you're Channel missing five. out. All of the you should go and find the All Gas No Breaks channel if it's still up. It's some of the best internet content ever. There's one where he goes to a, a random beach in Michigan. You calling it internet content makes me not want to watch it. Uh, well, don't be so stuck up, all right? Can't, not everything can be a streamable Alkaline Trio album. Um, did you like how I said that better? Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds lovely. Um, just, it's good. It's really good, and it's smart. It's basically like if... You took like the kind of Tim and Eric sensibilities with editing, and you just did it with like interviewing people in the real world. And That's it's not—it's not, it's not just one. him. It's not just goofy shit. Like he does go to like the furry conventions and interview furries, but there's also some like candid stuff that's like pocketed in there where you're like, "Oh wow!" He went this to is Ukraine like, right when the war started. He did go to the Ukraine. Yeah. Um. He covers cool stuff. He's a journalist. He really is. Like he's, he's really covering real time events, like in a way that I don't think any other news outlet is. It's it's interesting, and it's he's clearly kind of a more left leaning guy, but he will go talk to these people at like white rights rallies and NRA conventions, and it's like super entertaining but it's also like it doesn't necessarily feel like it's at the expense of anybody which i think is very very interesting you know because when you watch like jordan klepper or like any of those like left like democrat kind of comedy shows like it's clearly kind of like let's go to a trump rally and you know make people look stupid but it doesn't look like that here it's very like human there's some good shit on there check it out all gas no brakes we're talking about tim heidecker um so what were we talking about before that Oh, yeah, we were talking about how they both kind of pivoted into these, like, successful careers sort of outside of what they started, like, kind of made their name with. Um, what do you want to move to from there? Do you have, like, a favorite song or? Uh, my favorite songs. I mean, it's hard for it not to be Sirens of Titan with the, with the big Vonnegut fan I am. Oh, Thumbs Down, you don't like that one? No, I, I, I just think you're catering to your... Vonnegut fanboy. I mean, yeah, you asked which one was my favorite. He has a song where one of my favorite authors is a prominent figure in the song. 
Why wouldn't that be my favorite one? No, I, I, I'm just joshing. Uh, what do you like about it? I like... Well, I, I kind of like that he... I always like whenever someone's uh, up to make themselves look bad because mm-hmm. it feels honest to me. It just appeals to me. So him talking about being like having Republican tendencies as a kid and like seeing Kurt Vonnegut but thinking he's kind of an idiot. Mm-hmm. I, I just like whenever someone like is willing to be honest on that level. Uh, I, I relate to that a lot. I, I try to do that whenever I make things. Um, and Sirens of Titan is my favorite Vonnegut book. So big it's probably the best. It's probably the best one besides Mother Night that I've read. I'm going to guess your favorite is Punch It in the Gut because you sent it in the group text. Just a few no, ago. my favorite one's Chilling in Alaska. Chilling in Alaska. That one's really fun, and it reminds me of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, it could be on That guitar Tusk. lick. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought that, but now you say it, I hear it 1,000%. And the and then, line, there's a line but, here on, I, I know this is probably the standout line, but there's a line here from Sirens of Titan that I love where, you're, where he's talking about being right, like a little bit right wing. And then it says, I was fiscally conservative until I got that college degree. And I love that because there's this fucking jackass that I worked with at my job who left recently, who, you know, used to always just have to say like, well, I'm Republican but I'm only fiscally conservative. And I was just like, yeah, right, buddy. Like, just say that you go to the fucking call, like golf country club every weekend and you don't really give a shit about any of this. You just want to drink Bud Light all day. Anyway, what were you going to say? Jake's shooting hard on fiscal conservatives. Fuck them. If you care more, if you care more about your money than like people being mistreated, I get it. You got to make, you got to, you got to survive. We, people got to survive out here. But fuck off if that's the first if that's your first reaction whenever you fucking talk about human rights or anything like that. Well, I don't. I mean, to be fair, I don't think that's what fiscal conservative means. You can still be socially liberal and be fiscally conservative. Expl- explain like I'm five. F- fiscally conservative is just like how you think the government should spend its money. So you do, that just means you believe in a small government, but you could still be for. Oh, parents, I thought I thought that that it applied to their personal finance beliefs. I didn't know that it was about the government. It just pretty much means you're cynical about the government and you don't trust them and you and you don't think a lot of money should go to the government. Mm-hmm. But you, I mean, in theory, a lot of libertarians are very liberal. Um when it comes to society issues and then conservative when it comes to government. Regulation. Usually libertarians are actually assholes, but in theory... They shouldn't be they, assholes. They shouldn't be, yeah. Yeah, they all end up being like Rorschach. I, th- I think being fiscally conservative is a valid ideology, but usually when you meet a fiscal conservative, they're still an asshole. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I, Whenever I hear that phrase, I'm always like, ugh, you know? I just want to be like Dale Gribble, pocket sand, blind him. Dale Gribble would definitely be a libertarian. Oh, for sure. But I don't. I, I think he would be more open about like social stuff. You know, like open-minded. He'd definitely be I, pro-alien. Uh, no, Buddy he'd is be also. But Buddy's the other best song. Yeah, I just. I wasn't even gonna like mention that till later because Buddy's kind of like. 
probably like the best song on the album. Like it's awesome. It's just an incredible track. It's funny because it's it's it opens the album. It's the first song, and it's I, I think it's like a incredibly emotional song. It is, and then it gears you up for the rest of the album, which isn't you know most of the albums like a feel good album, but mm-hmm. this song is like I, I hesitate to say it's sad because it still feels fun, but like if you like really dive into this song, it is really sad and really. I don't know. This this one, like more than any other song on the record, makes me think of my own high school experience. Well, I just remember like I, it was more so like post high school where I started to feel this, but I was also like drinking and smoking, so it wasn't the same thing. But you know, I remember there would be people I hung out with in high school who like wouldn't want to do anything unless it revolved around like you know drinking or smoking weed. Like that always had to be a part of it. And then I remember later in life, I'd, I had friends who, you know, I'd meet up with them and I'd be really excited to see them and they'd be like, oh, I need to get stoned or, oh, let's go get a drink. And they just seemed miserable. And then they'd have a drink or two and they'd be all, you know, slap happy and smiling, but they'd also be like, you know, turning over tables at a bar and like creating a scene or like, you know pushing me around, like trying to get me to mosh and it made me kind of uncomfortable. And, you know, it kind of just makes me think of that. Um, how like it's depressing that we know a lot of people who need substances to feel better. Yeah. It makes me think of it at our high school, like kids like Chase Maynard and Tyler Sheehan. And I feel like at least in my high school or at our high school, I mean, it was more of like a, a, a guy thing versus a girl thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe girls just kept it hidden better. But all these guys who, like, I wasn't friends with, like, closely, but I would talk to them in class, and they were always on so much drugs. And I know some of them have passed. I don't know if any of them, their lives are, like, in a great place. Mm-hmm. And this song just makes me think about those kind of kids, and, like, I wonder what their family was like, and... Could my friend group have like welcomed them? You know, just like anything that could have happened that could have made it better for them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's it just sends you down this rabbit hole of thoughts. But even then, our friend group probably wasn't much better. You know. No, not at all. And it's not like things you can actually change, or maybe not even things you should have changed. But it just sends your mind down that rabbit hole of like, what if? What do you make of what's going on with the line? We turned it up so you didn't have to hear the yelling going on downstairs. Like parents fighting or physically or verbally yeah this is a good song it is sad but i think he managed that's another cool thing that he manages to do here is everything is again human like we've both lost people to drug addiction and depression a mixture of the of both of those and um we were around people who were drug addicts and there is like definitely remorse that i feel about cody i was just thinking about this the other day i had this idea for a concept band for whenever I return to Louisville and I would do it with you and Corey probably. And it would be, we would call ourselves, uh, CRR or Kerr is how I would imagine people saying it. And it stands for Cody Ray's revenge. And it would basically be rear water revival. Yeah. 
that's kind of the joke because I feel like it would be kind of Cody's sense of humor to make fun of them or make fun of anything. And I wanted all the songs to be about like me being like, fuck you to all the people. Like, I don't know if anybody, if anybody in that group would ever hear this, but I don't really care. Like people like animal and rats and like people like that, who I, I think were like probably like good people, but I just feel like, they enabled this lifestyle for people, for our friends who I think didn't need that. And I think that they were like, they were great people and, you know, really only one of those two friends, you know, two of, or of those three friends made it out on the other side and is, are still alive, but they've been beaten down by like drug addiction and alcohol addiction that like, I, I just was just, I was just thinking about this the other day. Cause I was like, we could, I, I, I could like write songs where I'm like, talking about similar things with Buddy where it's like, you know, when Cody needed me the most, I think, was when I stopped wanting to be around him because he lashed out at me so much. But I still carry yeah, this guilt around about how I feel like maybe if I'd been around more, I could have been a better influence or I could have, you know, at least given him some moments of levity in between whatever kind of depression he was dealing with. Yeah, that's, that's the, the beauty of the song is... I can get mad at other people that I want to say are enablers to make me feel better, but was I not an enabler? Like, could I not have done more, you know? No, I mean, I, I definitely think there were times where I was like that, and there were probably, there was probably, I think that's probably what was even more painful about it is like, when I realized I didn't want to be like that kind of person, I, you know, I, I wasn't done drinking, but I didn't want to be a, a person who did it all the time. I I definitely had to come to terms with the fact that like I don't know if I can be friends with these guys anymore because I can't hang, you know, because if I'm not getting blasted, it's not that fun. Yeah, and and this reminds me of like when we were in middle school, high school, there was this this wave that happened. I guess it might have started a little bit before before that with Adam's song by Blink-182 and mm-hmm. then Good Charlotte had that song, Hold On. I remember Simple Plan had one. All these pop punk bands had this, like, big song about, like, childhood trauma and depression. And they were all, like, pretty ham-fisted, mm-hmm. you know? And then... But, man, I ate that song. shit up when I was 12. And then to see a song like this that's, like, mm-hmm. so smart and so well-written, doing the same thing as Hold On by Good Charlotte, but, like, a thousand times better. Yeah, it's cool to see. That's a great way to put it. I think Tim would appreciate the reference. He probably loves Good Charlotte. Big GC fan. Big GC. More like JC. Jesus Christ. Amen. Moment of silence. All right. Another one that sticks out for me that I think is kind of a barn burner is uh, "What Did We Do with Our Time." I really like that. I think it's also kind of got that melancholyness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's talking a little bit about his background, how he was an altar boy as a kid, you know, they put me on medication if I was born in the nineties. That line is so good. Boomer boomers and, uh, Gen Xers love to say that. Um, that's Tim showing his age. And I love the line. How can we be in a rock and roll band? And the line about how he knew how to get to the, the basement beers, but he, his dad didn't know that he knew that. That's do you, such a relatable do you think that thing. Was, do you think that was a meta line? He, he says, like, we don't have a drummer, and there's a lot of drum machine on the album. Yeah, no, that's definitely a meta reference. 
because there's oh, a lot cool. there's a lot more but it's also a reference to how it feels we got kind of lucky with our bands like that we knew Corey. If we hadn't known Corey, we might not have ever ha- been in any bands. Yeah, drummer's the hardest thing to find. Drummers when are always the kid. hardest thing to find. Um, you can't just take your drums to school. And I know it's not much, but I really like the line, I'm a weed whacking, lawn mowing, leaf blowing, snow shoveling. Yeah, I think that that has a nice kind of like country quality to it. Like he's kind of tapping into some different influences. And he just, it's just, this is going to be such a fun album for him to play live, I think. I think he's probably stoked to play these songs. There's a lot of nice little country influence. I think that's what makes me say Tom Petty. I hear Mm -hmm. a lot of... Tom Petty's a really good uh, comparison. A lot of it in, maybe not in the way he sings, but like in the guitar lines. And that might come from, you know, Kurt Vile and Mac DeMarco like that vibe a lot. And It's funny because I don't, I don't like Kurt Vile or Mac DeMarco at all. Yet, I hear them all over this record, and I love it. This is like a version of what they do that I really like. Yeah, I like Mac DeMarco, Kurt Vile, take him or leave him. I am curious about one line. So in the second verse, he has this part where it's like, Donovan's talking about the season of the witch. Is that a reference to Halloween 3, I wonder? I think it I is. I think it's Don- Donovan, like the, the um, classic rock guy. Ah, okay, then that's what it is. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not familiar with him, but I would guess he has a song called "Season the Witch." I'm gonna look it up. That's interesting. Because there's the Rolling Stones reference right after it. Oh, you're so right. I just looked it up. There's a Donovan song called "Season of the Witch." That's funny. And maybe Halloween Three is a reference to the Donovan song. Yeah, dude, you're probably right about that. I also love the line because I'm writing a new song for the girl I just met in Florida who lives in Texas in a town called Odessa. Just like, like you said, it's, it's kind of just minutia. Like it could just be like a journal Dude, entry, like, but it's... Have you started reading that Nosgard book you got? No, it's, it's on my bookshelf. I, it's, like, it's like reading Nosgard. It's like so, you know, he could just spend 10 pages talking about putting on his socks. And like, yeah. it's either charming to you or it's not. And I love when Tim does it. Well, it's, I think it's kind of the thing with, like, you either like Hemingway if you don't, because Hemingway's it's like, I'm going to write about making coffee in the woods, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be that involved, but if you like it, you like it. Yeah, and well, Kern he, River, he, I think, is a really good closer. Um, I really like the ending of the record, but it, it what's really cool about it is it doesn't lose any steam. Like, it it pretty seamlessly like loops, which I think is a really great achievement, not just for like streamable music, but also like for him, like that's not an easy thing to do in 2022. Like it's an album that's easy to listen to and accessible. Doesn't this album. Okay. If I just told you, uh, okay, so there's this comedian and you know, his mid forties, mid middle aged, and he's going to make it, he's going to make a serious, rock album about high school that sounds like a a middle life crisis a middle life crisis crisis. that's correct midlife crisis like it sounds like a bad idea like uh, it's probably gonna be pretty cringy Mm -hmm. and not at all no it's i think wasn't sure but i think the more we've talked about it i think might be a juby contender we'll see juby contender 
Put it in the spreadsheet. Uh, blue. Woo! It was a stalemate to see who would talk. Yeah, I, I, this is just a... I won. A fun album. I, I could talk about all... Future is uncertain, has that dreamy... You know, it almost feels like a, a sequence in a movie where someone's, like, tripping, like, it's got mm-hmm. the psychedelic energy. Mm-hmm. Get Back Down to Me, I think, has the most, like, Paul McCartney. Oh, I feels, love that one. Yeah. Feel. I mean, these songs are all all great. Do we want to talk about Punch in the Gut at all? I think that's Talk the about it. I don't, I don't have much to say. Well, what, do you, what do you think about it? Well, uh, as you said earlier, when you thought this was my, this was my favorite track, uh, it's definitely up there. Um, I think this was another one of the singles. I think it was Sirens of Titan, Buddy, and this one. I'm not in that order. Uh, you got any thoughts about Punch in the Gut? You just asked me that. I said, not really. What are your thoughts? Um, again, I think it's like a, like another, I think it's probably the weaker of the three singles, but it's still really good. And I guess I'm kind of trying to figure out like, what's, what is the song about to you? Do you have any impression? To me, well, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like a narr. I mean, it's just like a narrative song. Like it's telling a story about a, a, a black kid that gets jumped and, punches the people either robbing him or just jumping him, beating him up, whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. And then I guess maybe this is something that happened when Tim was a kid and, uh, you know, knowing that the black kid wasn't in the wrong, but someone, whether it be like the school or the authorities, like let it boys be boys, punish the black kid, even though he was the one getting beat up. Okay, yeah, I um, I just really loved the intro to the song. They said, come on your own. I I just... I guess Tim says color of his skin, so I mean, I guess it could have been like a Latinx person, or I just assume black, but... I think it's... A person it's, of color. It's bold in 2022 to do songs about race as a white person because you're walk in like a fine line and i think that this is so well done well because he's not trying to like make make he's not even really trying to have a message no he's it's just, just a story about yeah this yeah, is like a, it, happen it's like a nick which, cave song or like a bill callahan song like it's just sort of a like a well-told story over music and i think if if you're someone who wants to write about that subject that's the way to do it is just write about what you know because if you try to like make it bigger than that you're probably gonna you know Say something and be letter, better left said by an actual person of color. But this is just him telling a story. Yeah. And I think it fills in a little bit about, like, the backstory with Philadelphia and um, what it meant to grow up where he grew up, you know? Like, what his experience was. It just adds another little chapter to the book that is Tim Heidecker's High School. Yeah, I'd recommend the opening sequence to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for some more backstory on growing up in Philadelphia. Can you do the... Can you do the song? I don't know the words. West Philadelphia, born and raised. That's all I remember. On the basketball court was where I spent most of my days or something like that. Shout out Will Smith. getting a lot of play on this podcast recently. Keep, your, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Jake, you should... Uh, let me, how are we going to do this? If we ever have the Jubies in person, we got to... You know, I got to make a joke about Haley and then you need to punch <laughs> me. <laughs> you should make a joke about uh, Blue... And then I'll punch you. I'll make a joke about Blue and Haley. 
I'll tell you that I'm only making a joke about Blue, and mm-hmm. then I will actually make a joke about Haley, so you'll actually get mad. Hey, you Jake, I thought punch. you were bringing your dog here. It looks like you brought both of them. Yeah, exactly. And then you'll actually get mad, and you'll actually punch me, so it'll look real. I can take one punch. I'll do it for the art. I'll do it for the jubies. Let's be real. If I ever punched you in real life, you would probably never talk to me again. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I always I think, think about I'm, like... I'm not the type to hold a grudge, I don't think. I hope not. You'd definitely be mad at me for a while. I would definitely have to bring some hot and ready's and crazy bread over to your house and talk it over. You don't need you. to buy me the food. That's not healthy. No, I'd, I'd be mad and I'd get over it and hopefully you would... Uh, have a heartfelt apology and then we move on with our life. What's, no, what's it one has to be heartfelt, huh? Wow, I'm getting mad about this punch. I haven't even done it yet. I'd rather you just give me an apology than buy, try to buy my love. It's more so a way to like have a reason what do the to Beatles go over say? there. The Beatles say something about that. Don't buy me love. Oh, yes. Don't buy me love. That's fair. And on that note, Ian, any final thoughts about high school? Pleasant surprise. I I really love this album. I liked Fear of Death a lot too. And Fear of Death is like kind of has more energy, but there's something about this album that I I just like better. Well, that's what I was saying. Is it's got that like mixtape quality to it. Like yeah, it, for sure. It it maintains like a the the energy of a demo, but it sounds so much better than any demo you've ever heard. And you know, I, I listened to it Friday when it came out, and then. Mm-hmm. Saturday, we went to my sister's house, which is pretty far away, and we listened to it in the car. And then I think Saturday night or Sunday morning, you asked about doing it, and I was like, oh, this is perfect, because it's been kind of my weekend album, and it all lined up. Glad we did it. And the other thing is, too, for people who are like, eh, I don't know if I want to put my time into this, the record is under 40 minutes. doesn't take more than an hour to listen to. It takes less than an hour. The record is shorter than this podcast, considerably. Absolutely. Um, Ian, you want to bring it on home? Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you uh, to Blue the Intern Dog, who is furiously working on those spreadsheets for the Halfway to the Jubies. Thank you, Buffy the HR Dog, who is dealing with all the complaints we get every day from civil rights organizations all around the world. Thank you to Uh, our civil rights lawyer, who is fighting for Jubilee Street to say what we want, the Incredible (laughs) Hulk. Uh, Please leave us a review. Give us five stars. We're on Instagram. Facebook, Jubilee Street Pod. Mm-hmm. Email at jubileestreetpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We will. We have a new email, actually. It's mattmurdoch at gmail.com. Yeah, but you got to do um, voice to text or something <laughs> like that. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Tim. Podcast on your own. <laughs>